Welcome to the Thrive Church Podcast. Join us today as we explore the word-giving, insightful solutions for day-to-day living. We pray this message encourages you throughout your day. You can also visit www.thrivechurch.me. Now, on to today's message. Good morning, Thrive Church. How are we doing this morning? Man. Thank you, brave souls, for venturing out in the, uh, the winter uh, snowmageddon of 2017. So uh, I appreciate you guys coming out today. And if you're a guest with us today, thank you for being a first-time guest on today. Where we're actually in a series um, called Come to Worship. So during this uh, Christmas season, we want to take time to help you guys bring your focus back to Jesus. And so we've been looking at, uh, at really Matthew chapter 2. That's where we're going to be today. And last week, we looked about the expression of worship. And each week... We're going to look at a different expression of worship to God. Because my heart is this, is that during the Christmas season, with all the hustle and bustle, all the Christmas parties, all the food, all the presents, all the shopping, that maybe this sacred time on Sundays can actually draw your attention back to Jesus, who, amen, is really the reason for the season, hallelujah, right, as the old preacher used to say. So um, that's my heart today. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 2 today, and I want to just draw your attention to Matthew 2 verse 1, which is where this series title comes from, Come to Worship. And it says this in Matthew 2 verse 1 in the New Living Translation. It says, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi, which again, they were astronomers and sorcerers, they were not Christian, good, good Jewish boys and girls, um, from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, where is the one who has been born the king of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. As we said last week, the tragic thing in our westernized society in America is we believe worship is what we can get from God instead of what we can give to God. Um, secretly, we would never say this. We believe secretly that God really exists to serve us, but the truth of the matter is we exist to serve God. They came to worship him. It says in verse 9 here, again, we're going to look at a few more verses in chapter 2. And I love this because King Herod was an evil king. And what happened is when, when he heard that a king was being born, he was a very insecure leader. So he sent these guys to find them so he could come worship him too. Um, code word, kill, you know, Jesus. That's what he wanted to do. So he sent these guys to go find them. And I want you to read and see what happens when they came. It says in Matthew 2 verse 9, after they had heard the king, they went, this is King Herod, they went on their way and the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. Now call a time out for a second. You have heard this Christmas account so much, you probably, if you're like me, have become numb to it. These guys traveled 900 miles right? Like we think they didn't hop a plane. They didn't get a car, rent a car. They didn't, you know, take a bus. They rode camels and horses, guys. 900 miles. This is two times the size of Europe that these magi, these uh, wise men we call them, traveled to go bring gifts and come see Jesus. They went that far just to go worship him. When we see that, we think, oh yeah, cool. So like, they went. And, and what you're going to see here in the next verse is something very important um, about the joy they have. And then you're going to read later that 
900 miles takes a long time on camel. How many guys have done that recently? Anybody done 900 miles on a camel? Okay, I don't see any hands in the house today. So they traveled that far to see him. It's amazing the sacrifice they made. It says this in the next verse. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. The King James says that they rejoiced with exceeding great joy, right? Remember that? When they saw the star, when they saw that the king of the Jews had been born, they were overjoyed. Now in the Greek, and I'm not going to bore you with Greek words. You don't remember them anyway, right? It's actually four Greek words. And here's what it means. Happy, happy, joy, joy, happy, happy, joy, happy, happy, joy, joy, happy, happy, joy. It, it literally means this. It means compounding joy. Like if you know about compounding interest, like if you put money on something, it just keeps getting bigger. It's like the closer they got, the more they saw the star. They had this joy that was just overwhelming inside of them. That Ren and Stimpy, anybody, any Gen Xers in the house, that joy that just overflowed from them. See, that, I believe, you've heard this say this so many times, that is the mark of a Christ follower's joy. The fruit of the Spirit, Paul writes to the Galatians. You know, you have love, peace, you know, kindness and self-control, gentleness, and joy. They had great joy. See, some of us need to pause and tell our faces that we're actually joyful. <laughs> Christ followers should be the most joyful people on the planet. Because our sins have been forgiven. Our consciences have been cleansed of all the evil that we have done. Heaven is our home. Our creator gave us the Holy Spirit of God to live inside of us. We know the mind of God, the heart of God, the will of God. We've been given the word of God. And by the Holy Spirit of God, we can understand it. We can know what God wants. Isn't that beautiful? We should have the most joy ever. And it says here that they were overjoyed the same way your kids probably were when they saw the snow, right? My son said yesterday, he said, snow makes me so happy. <laughs> they rejoiced. It says this in verse 11. And look at, look at this. I'm coming to the house. We're going we're to dive into this, especially in week four on Christmas Eve. But do you understand where, where, where Mary and Joseph and Jesus weren't anymore? They weren't in the stable at the manger. Because all of our little Christmas stories show us the little things. Remember church, we had all the little kids. I never made it to be Joseph. I never got promoted that high. I was always one of the shepherds. Like, you know, the little Christmas play. It shows the wise men or the shepherds, what they, call them, they were at the stable. Traveling 900 miles would take a few years on camel. You could probably do it in a year and a half if you never slept. And so this time they traveled and they see Mary and Joseph and Jesus at the house. And I want you to look here. I want to draw your attention to this. It says they saw the child with his mother Mary. Not even a baby anymore, but a child. And they bowed down and worshipped him. Now I want you to look at this about how they worshipped him. It says they opened their treasures. Say treasures just to make sure you're awake today. Treasures. And presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. They were so full of joy that they brought gifts of sacrifice to the Savior of the world. Now, some commentators want to say, well, you know, maybe the gold represents Jesus' kingly ministry because he is a king with a kingdom, right? Some say that maybe, you know, the frankincense represents Jesus' priestly ministry because he is our high priest. He went once and for all to sacrifice for our sins, right? Like the old Jewish high priest used to do once a year. He did it once and for all. And then others say that the myrrh um, represented 
the burial of Jesus because it would take myrrh to be able to anoint the body and cover it also to help with the, 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 the stinketh, you know, if you know that from John, how it stinks, um, with the body decays. And so they said maybe that represents the foreshadowing of Jesus' death. Here's what we do know. We know that the Magi traveled 900 miles and brought sacrificial, expensive gifts to Jesus with joy. That's what we do know. Um, I'll be honest, I've never traveled 900 miles for Jesus just to do that on Camelback. They've got me beat. But they had joy that they could offer him something so great. You know, my son recently, um, at, at, you know, he's at Isabel's and they do crafts and things like that. And at Thanksgiving, they made this really cool little turkey. So it was like this, uh, this jar of this turkey. And so every time we go and we sit and we eat, he says, dad, 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 I made this just for you. And then my mom, because he tells her the same thing, like, you said, you told everybody that? But I asked on the screen, don't you look at this. This is his little turkey he made, like, right? And he is so excited that he put time and effort and energy and had this gift for me, who he loves. He's so excited that he made it. So you, you guys are like, oh, really? But yeah, it's like for a two and a half year old, that's amazing, right? Um, that he could do that. He was joyful to be able to say, you know what? I want to be able to bless you, Daddy, because I love you. Now, last week, we talked about the expression of worship and lifting of hands. As, as we sang last week um, and lifted our hands, the Bible tells us to do it. It commands us. It, there's examples of it. Uh, next week, we're going to talk about worshiping and pouring out your heart to Jesus and what that means. And then on week four, Christmas Eve, we're going to look at the, the wise men, how they bowed down to Jesus. But today, if you haven't guessed yet, we're going to talk about actually bringing our gifts or giving. And you're like, really? I came to church through the snow, over the hills, and through the meadow, right? Past grandma's house <laughs> to come here to hear about this today. Really, Kevin? Or you're like, dang, man, I brought my friend today. They traveled in the snow and they got to hear about this. But I believe... That today can be transformational for so many people. Because generosity and joy should be the mark of Christ's followers. And as you look at the New Testament scriptures, that's two things that always showed who Christ's followers were. They were generous and they were joyful. And when you look at the wise men, they were generous and they were joyful. I used to hate messages like this. I used to hate them to the core. Now, I want to be challenged. I literally like, was looking through, um, like, like I, love, I love Dr. Tim Keller, so I'm looking through sermons, and I'm like, oh man, I want that one right there. It was, it, was on, it was on giving. I was like, I want to be challenged as a Christ follower in the very area that I hate the most, right? One of the reasons, and we'll get into this in a little bit, that I think we kick back against this, and we'll talk about several. One is, do you know that in America, our God is money? Our little G God, our false God. I heard Robert Moore say it this way from the Blessed Life series. He said, when you have a problem, you either think God can fix this or somebody can give me some money. When we look at our security in life, where does security come from for us? Usually in the form of money. And so when it comes to messages like this, do you understand that you're actually messing with Satan and his demons saying, man, this is the control we're going to have over this country because people trust their money more than they trust God. If you look at your own life and survey, if you look at my own life, that's where I find security at. And so I want to help us today to unlock there, not only the fact to trust God, to be able to take the heart of the wise men, the magi, and demonstrate our love 
to Jesus. You know, John 3.16, you guys, most of you guys know this. If not, you know, you probably saw Stone Cold Steve Austin have the numbers there. I got one man in the house. That's where he learned John 3.16 from. It says, and look at the idea of coming to worship. It says, for God so loved the world, right? He loved people who hated him. That was us. Distant from him, separated by sin. He so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. Like God said, I'm going to give you my best because I love you. And I love what Romans 5, 8 says. This is actually one of my life verses. I have a few. And this is like the one for me that keeps me in the posture of worship. It says in Romans 5, 8, but God demonstrates. Say demonstrates. That's key. God demonstrates his own love for us. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That means at your worst, when you were not pursuing God, you didn't care about God, you were far from God, you had nothing to offer God. God said, I want you. And I will give my son just for you. Let me tell you something. I'm not giving my son for any of you or all of you. And he said, I will give my son just for you. He demonstrated his love. See, love demonstrates. God didn't shout his love from heaven. He showed his love from heaven. See, last week I talked to you about expressing to God worship. And being expressive and saying, I love you. Like the same way you do hopefully with your spouse, or your kids. I mean, hopefully you're not saying, I know I never say I love you. I never hug you. But you just know I do. You're like, no, actually I don't. <laughs> we express it in the same way. Love demonstrates. That's why our mission statement of Thrive is this. We exist to help people experience God's love in tangible ways or tangibly experience God's love. Tangible. We want you to experience it. We want you to see parking lot attendants. Thank you guys out in the cold today. Parking you and greeting you, right? We want to see kids workers who are excited about what God is doing in your children's life. We want you to know that we love you. That's why we do Angel Tree for the community. That's why we, we help the family who had nowhere to live. That's why we do that. We want to demonstrate God's love. And God demonstrated his love for us. So here's today's big idea. Worship involves demonstration, not just expression. And we express our love to God by demonstrating it to him. And one of the ways we can do that is actually through generous giving. And I know, again, this is something you're like, man, why on a snow weekend did I come out here to do this? See, my mom and dad, as I said last week, mom was super generous. When my mom passed, she gave to three churches, she gave to three missionaries, and she gave to two televangelists, which I've got to talk to her when I get to heaven about that. <laughs> And when she passed, my dad started getting all these, the, the, all, all the mail in. He's like, he looked at him all lined out there. I remember he's sitting there at the bar. He's like, son, he's like, I'm going to starve to death if I, if I keep support. How did we survive? Your mom was given to all these people. And knowing that, like, she was like for clean water over in India and like any, anything she could, she just gave, gave, gave. And see, my mom was a Christ follower. My dad wasn't. My dad told me, you shut up. I don't want to hear anything about Jesus in this house. Nothing about Jesus. But let me tell you something what my dad did. When my mom passed, my dad didn't stop giving to any of those things. He said, son, I'm going to keep supporting the work of the Lord even I don't understand it. And can I tell you something? That there in my family's life, 
I believe was a supernatural blessing on them because of that. He wasn't even a Christ follower and he did it. Man, I've got I to gotta get Christ followers convinced to sacrifice for Jesus. The story of the Magi is they were sorcerers and astronomers. They were not followers of Jehovah. And they wrote, went 900 miles and brought gifts when Jesus' own people wouldn't even bring him gifts. Generosity should be the heart and the mark of a Christ follower where we're excited about supporting and seeing the work of God go throughout the earth. See, my dad demonstrated it. I told you last week about the Thanksgiving card. Remember that? Like, when, when, when Thanksgiving came, my dad's like, he knew mom was generous. He knew mom gave. So he sent us all, he sent my, my wife and I a Thanksgiving card. Didn't even sign it. There's a hundred dollar bill in it. I was like, let's eat some turkey, babe. <laughs> He demonstrated, he didn't know how to hug and love and be all lovey-dovey. That's how he demonstrated it. And there's many different ways to demonstrate our love to God. You know, you have breath in your lungs. You have strength and energy. And you can serve the Lord Jesus in so many different ways. Not only in the local church, but we have community partners. You know, you can give your time to the Lord and serve him. You can serve him with what, I can't do much. You can do something. Mr. Huey Blackburn, who passed away this year, was a man that this church was built upon. Um, and you may have saw him as he usually came in, in in the walker. And when I first came to this church five years ago, he said, son, I can't do much. He said, I can do two, he said, I can do three things. He said, I, I can give. He said, I can write these little cards. And if you saw the little cards he made, you probably got one of the cards from him, from Huey and Evelyn, if you attended Thrive, one of the, probably the second week you came. And he also passed out little cards. And he said, son, I can pray. That's all I can do. I said, Mr. Huey, that's more than 90% of Christ followers do. We're glad to have you on the team, man. Right? We can all do something for the Lord. I want to read to you a, a scripture that really changed my life about this and, and really shaped my wife and I's life. And it says this. It's in Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 through 10. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. And many of you know this. It's probably on a pillow somewhere in your house. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him. See, I like that. We use the word acknowledge. Like, you know, I know it exists. Submit to God. In all your ways, do what? That's the mark of a Christ father. And he will make your paths straight. If your paths are crooked, you're not submitted. I'm just going to leave it there. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and shun evil. This will bring health to your body and nourishment to your bones. And look at the context in which this is written in verse 9. The writer there says, honor the Lord. This means worship, adore, praise, honor the Lord with your what? Wealth. He says, with the first fruits of all your crops. You're saying, all right, Kevin, I don't have any crops. Time out. I'm out of this. I'll explain that. He says, then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. Throughout the Old and New Testament, one of the things that you see is this. Especially the Old Testament. I love how they set this down. It's honor the Lord with everything that you have. So here's what they did in the Old Testament. They actually farmed. They were an agrarian culture. So they did crops. They farmed. They had camels and, and donkeys and goats. All the things that Job had. Remember that? So what they would do is they would bring grain. They would bring, um, you know, first fruits of everything they had during the, during the season of first fruits. They would bring that to the temple. Why? And they would actually go up to the priest and they would present it and they would give a testimony of the Lord's goodness. They just didn't go put it in a plate and you know, I, I paid my tithes, right? 
They were so thankful and gracious that the Lord had provided. And so one of the, 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 the marks there was this. Honor the Lord with the first fruits of everything that you have. And when you do that, you're going to see a blessing on your life. And that's not only Old Testament. Oh, that's Old Testament. No, it's actually New Testament as well. Paul talks about sowing and reaping and things of that nature. When you read Malachi or you read like Habakkuk especially... In the book of Habakkuk, you look, look at Old Testament giving and the Lord said, honor the Lord of the first fruits and all this stuff. Do you know in that time they were in Babylonian exile? They were in extreme economic downturn. Extreme. They didn't know they were going to have a harvest. And Habakkuk is talking about keep honoring the Lord and keep him first. Whenever you look at Malachi and, and they had drifted and the idols had drifted them away from God. And they were serving false gods, which we do the same thing. They're just not called false gods. I can get in that in a second. He always drew them back to honoring God with their wealth. Because where your treasury is, I think some guy named Jesus said, where your, where your treasury is, your, 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 your what? Your heart is there too. And so God in the Old Testament always drew them back to that principle of saying, honor me with everything because they kept drifting from that. Here's the principle you'll see throughout Scripture. We bring God the first and the best, and then we trust God with watch left, watch rest. What, what, what is the rest? Excuse me. We bring God the first and the best, and we trust God with the rest, right? And that's what they did in the Old Testament. That's what they did in the New Testament. It's a supernatural trust. Do you know it's probably the greatest trust that you'll ever have, especially as an American? You go to other countries and you serve on the mission field, and these guys that went this year can tell you that these guys have no problem with it. Because they they're like, man, you know, hey, over here in America now, we have a big problem with that. But what you see in the Old Testament and you see in the New Testament is, man, you say, God, you get the first and the best of my life. Not just money, but man, of my day. I start my day setting that apart for you. God, you get the first and the best of my energy and my resources in my life. And I set that apart from you. I will give you the first and the best and I'm going to believe that you can multiply what I already have. That was the principle then and that's the principle now. Can I tell you that my wife and I, like man, this is something that's, that's, that's important to me. Because my wife and I, when we were on food stamps, we gave God the first and the best. We were the first ones at church serving where nobody else was served. I asked my pastor this, where will nobody else serve at? He said, well, my wife's been in kids ministry now for, uh, for eight weeks. She's not been in church at all. I said, she doesn't have to go anymore. I hold a little TV with a VCR and it's about this big is all I had. And we had the worst kids curriculum ever. It was just like really out, it was like dated. We had no, no resources. We, we didn't have kids curriculum. We had to make stuff up, man. Like, we literally were playing trash kit ball with these kids at the end because our services went so long. My wife and I have always said, God, you get the first and you get the best. And we're going to trust you with what's left. And I'm here to tell you today, guys, that some of you today are struggling because you're not trusting God in that area. There has been a supernatural blessing on us. Every, listen, I did this not just when I worked for a church. I did, the church didn't pay me a dollar to do that. When I worked at ServPro, I did it. When I worked at Workforce Solutions, I did it. When I, when I drove a front-end loader um, for, for a concrete company, I did it. This has always been a principle of us is that God will get the first and the best and we're going to trust him with the rest. The wise men, 900 miles and brought sacrificial gifts to Jesus because they knew how important the Savior of the world was. Here's what I want to do today for us guys. I want you to experience joy. 
What breaks my heart is that there's so many Christ followers that are miserable, discontented. Like we look nothing like Galatians 5 and the fruit of the Spirit, do we? There's so many Christ followers that are greedy and angry and jealous. And my heart for you is this. I, don't, I, don't, I didn't have to preach this. Do you understand? I don't want to have to preach this stuff. I, I could preach to you about, you know, Elijah or something like that. And you'd been all excited, man, you know. Or preach to you about the, the shepherds and things of that nature. Cute little Christmas sermons. I want, to impact, I want to help you experience the joy of God like you never have before. That's why I'm sharing something like this. And I want you to experience in your life not only the joy that it comes with this, this type of mentality, but also I want you to leave a trail of impacting the kingdom of God. When I had to preach Mr. Huey Blackburn's funeral, I could literally say good things about him. He left a trail. This church is here today because of that man there. And you guys that knew him, that's why this church is here today. And I want us, when you breathe your last, when the preacher gets over there, he can say, man, there's a trail of impact to the kingdom of God for generations because of the sacrifice that this person made. That, I don't know about you, that's what I want. Maybe that doesn't float your boat. Maybe you're just like, man, I just, I just want to you know, slide into heaven. That's good enough for me. I want to leave an impact for generations to come. So here's what I want to do today, guys. Y'all still love me. Next week, we're talking about, thank you, three people. To, next week, we'll, we'll, we'll shift gears from this. So, but here's what I want to do. Here are just a few objections when you hear this. And I know what you're thinking right now. I, I, I believe that Satan lies to us many ways. He is the author of confusion. He is the deceiver. And I believe that so many times there's three ways that we get deceived. And here's the first one to write in your notes. Here's the first lie that he tells Christ followers. I can't afford to be generous. Some of you sitting here today, I know you're, you're struggling. I, we've been on food stamps. As I said before, we went to angel food ministry and it wasn't to distribute it. It was to get it. <laughs> I know that. And you're saying, I can't afford to do this. See, Satan will tell you that, but let, can, can I flip that for you? See, Jesus responded to Satan when he said those lies to him. You can't afford not to be generous. My wife told me that a couple years. She said, well, we just can't afford it right now. I said, no, 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 no. No, no, no. I found out she had not tithed for a few months because she was struck. She does right. I said, no, no, no. I said, we're going to go in and back pay all that. She said, but we can't, I, I don't get, we, no vacation. We can't afford not to. And can I tell you something? Again, God's supernatural blessing on that. There was a couple who gave a testimony here, and, and, and we'll roll this out. You can hear it online. Sean and Gina Visor, some of you knew them that did Financial Peace University last year. And they sat on a Wednesday night and shared their testimony. They were in $500,000 worth of debt. Yes, $500,000. This is from their testimony. And when they looked at that, and they're trying to keep up with the Joneses, and they had the trucks and the boats, and they had the, all the expensive cars and the houses, and they had great jobs. But they, you know, it doesn't matter how much money you make, it, it's how much money you have left over each month, right? So some of you don't make a lot, but you're much wiser than those who make a whole lot. And so, so anyway, they, they said they, they wanted to flip everything. So I interviewed them, and I didn't have their answer. So like I'm asking them, what's the first thing you did? They said, well, the first thing we did was we started to tithe. We had never tithed before. I said, you didn't put that money toward debt? They said, no, we needed God's supernatural help. Listen to that testimony. And, and they said, then they began to use Dave Ramsey's Financial Peace um, University plan. And they got out of $500,000 worth of debt. Now listen to me. Not only that, Sean and Gina Visor aren't, aren't at this church anymore. Not because they got mad because I taught on giving. <laughs> <laughs> they actually got a promotion 
Sean got a promotion to go to Philadelphia. And he is making a killing there. You know why? Because he said, can't afford to be, I can't afford not to be generous. Because there's a supernatural work that God does with that. $500,000. You can do it as well. And Satan wants you to say, I'm going to hoard, I'm going to keep, instead of I'm going to be generous. Here's the second lie that Satan's going to tell you. All the church wants is my money. All the church wants is my money. Now up front, the local church is a nonprofit that we don't get grants from the government, guys. We survive solely off your giving. But Satan's going to tell you all the church wants is your money. Here's the, the way you need to respond to Satan. Say, no, 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 no. All Target wants is my money. All Chase wants is my money. All Rick Hendricks wants is my money. There are people at strip clubs drinking margaritas right now on your dollar you have given to them. CEOs right now doing that stuff. And about all the church wants your money. Do you understand that, the, that I know this church here, this local church here, and the, the friends that I have in this area, 100% of your giving goes right back into the kingdom of God. We don't make profit off of it. We don't have profit sharing. We don't have stocks and bonds. We're not off on big vacations because you guys did really good. It goes back into the community. And so when Satan says all the church wants is my money, you can lie and say, no, 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 no. All you want is my money, Satan. Because listen, there are two kingdoms being built in this world. There are two kingdoms being built. There's the kingdom of our Lord and there's a kingdom of Satan. And you know the kingdom of darkness, don't you? Because you see it. You see where sin abounds. And you see, man, where things are abound at. And what he wants is for us to fuel his economy instead of fueling God's economy. And he's going to tell you all the church wants is your money. Now, let me just pause for a second. If that's your thought and you're thinking, well, all this pastor wants my money. I'm a good one. And you're not giving. Let me just call a timeout. I got three, two, two remaining for the half. I say this in love. We don't need your money. If that's your attitude, we don't need it. Keep your wallet closed. If you decide to go to another church, I don't want your money. I want to see you tap into the kingdom of God and see everything that God wants to do for you. When you look at gray hairs around this building here and you interview those who are retired and those who are leaving a trail of the kingdom, I could pull them up here right now and they would say, the same. they're the ones shaking their head going, yeah, come on, pastor. And all of us youngins in here and people who are younger are like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and we're the ones struggling. We should, we should take a note from those who have gone before us, right? I want to see you blessed. And so if you decide to go somewhere else and give your, give your money to another church, I want to see the kingdom of God impacted. And if you're like, man, I ain't giving a, you don't have to give a thing. If you're a first time guest, don't give a dollar. I'm, we're not doing a building campaign either. Do you notice that? I want to see you unlock generosity in a major way in your life. Listen, your dollar helps see life change here at this church, man. 72 people water baptized. We have given out thousands of dollars to missions and church planning and people in need in this community. We have fed families in this community. The staff that get paid by this church work more hours than you could imagine because they love you and they make disciples. We evangelize. We, you see what I'm saying? Every dollar goes back to that. Satan wants your money to fuel his kingdom. God wants... To see you blessed and fuel his kingdom. Here's the third, third point today. Here's a third lie Satan's going to tell you so you don't give. The New Testament just doesn't teach tithing. Okay, here's the deal. And 
But just pause it. You can have that argument if you want it. Have it. Don't have to email me. Well, you know, Old Testament, Abraham, I've read everything. Man, listen, cover to cover, okay? You can have that. But here's what Satan's going to do. 95% of the people, I'm going to give some of y'all a buffer because I do, I do know a few people who are super generous who don't just operate by the tide. 95% of people use this as a cover-up. Here's what you do see. I challenge you to read the New Testament. Read the book of Acts. Read, read everything that you can. Here's what, here's what the New Testament church did. Christ followed. They gave consistently. They gave generously. They gave cheerfully. And they gave to and through the local church for the work of, the, of, of ministry. Look at the book of Acts. Look at Paul's letters. Man, he railed into some of these churches. That's what the truth is. You're saying, well, I don't believe in tithing. Fine, you can have that argument if you want it. Go ahead, I'll give that to you. 1 Corinthians 16.2 says this. On the first day of every week. What, did, what is the day? Is it the first day? Whoa. Each one of you. Now, how many of each is each one of you? This is Paul writing this. It's all of us, right? Some of you got it. Should set aside a sum of money in keeping with his income. In keeping as percentage in giving. My wife and I just started 10%. That's just something that's been a bit of tradition of the church and tradition of, of, of Jewish uh, people for, for centuries. That's what we start at. But let me tell you something. If you're a follower of Jesus, your heart should be this. God, I want your kingdom to prosper. I want to see people's lives changed. So therefore, consistently, generously, cheerfully, I am going to set this apart just for you, God. Because I want to see you. See, God getting the first and the best goes beyond tithing. Take the, take that, yeah, fine, go ahead. You can have it. But that's what you see cross followers do. And people who adopt that mentality that God gets the first and the best and they'll live off watch rest and trust Him with that, they're the ones that you see living a blessed life. And I know for my wife and I, it is non-negotiable. We do not build our budget around cars and trinkets and vacations and credit cards and flat screen TVs. We don't build our budget around that. How much house we can afford about, about what we'll negotiate giving to God. No, sir. God gets the first and the best and we'll build our budget off watch rest. That's what we do. And I'm going to tell you something, man. We get to live in a neighborhood that we shouldn't even be in. I have no clue how we got in there. Why, you know, my, my dad left some money for us. And I'm watching the rest of these jokers trying to do all they can off 100%. I'm like, man, I live off 90. Because I give God the first and the best and trust Him what's left. Let me, let me close here with this. When it comes to looking at what the wise men did, traveling 900 miles, bringing gifts, and we're talking about giving and those things, some of you are just like, man, why? I don't want to hear this. I mean, you're gripping your wallet. We're not taking an offering at the end. It's okay. Let, let me close with this here, though. Romans 12.1 says this. This is the key about giving. Paul says, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice your whole life, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do you understand that people give of time, talents, and treasures and give the first fruits, they have no problem with it. You know why? Because they've given their life to Jesus. Friends, let me tell you something, man, I shouldn't be here today preaching to you. I 
should be dead somewhere because of the lifestyle that I live. I don't deserve anything that I have today. Not one thing do I look and say, yep, for that, earn that. The Creator, our gracious Lord, has given it to me. He's given me life. He's given me the Holy Spirit. He's given me salvation. And so when I look at God, giving God the first mess, I'm like, God, you have more than 10% because I love you. You did for me what nobody could have done for me. And therefore, I want to give everything I have. If you have a problem with just giving you know, possessions or money or whatever to the, maybe that you've never given your heart to Jesus. People have a problem. Maybe you've never really surrendered. See, we have an epidemic in America where they're believers, but they're not followers. Oh, I believe in the cross. I believe in church and ministry in Jesus' land, but you've never said, I surrender everything. You can have it all, God. Have it all. That is what being a Christ follower is. And listen, I will go to my grave preaching that to you because I'm here to help you give your life fully, unreservedly to Jesus. So today as you look at this thing about giving, you're like, man, I don't know. And this is, uh, you know, it's not an issue whenever you've given your life because this guy rescued you from the pit of hell. It's elementary, my dear friend, right? bow our head and close our eyes and here I know on a, on a snowy Christmas day you know coming up and this is our Christmas season you you guys in here are like why giving so we bow our head and close our eyes I want you first of all to think number one have you given your life to Jesus have you surrendered everything to him are you a believer or a follower do you taste the mercy of God fresh and new every morning because he sacrifice are you asking us to make? And what treasures do we need to open up for your kingdom, God? Whether it's time, whether it's service, whether it's find a 
church would get, what is it, God? 